Joining me now to discuss Bernie Sanders, the DNC, and basically everything in between. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Nomiki Konst, uh, the host of the Nomiki Show. Uh, welcome. Wow. You might <laughs> Did I get it? For me. <laughs> Definitely got it. I would say usually people get it one time. They very rarely get it two times in a row. So you're, you're oh, already in amazing. like the 0.2 percentile in life, <laughs> in my entire life. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, there's a lot, uh, a lot to discuss here. So it, it's so funny going into this, like when we planned this conversation, I thought, oh, we're going to be spending, you know, like 15 minutes on how Nevada screwed up somehow. I'm amazed that it went smoothly. So like, what is your initial takeaway just from not even Bernie's win, but but the process uh, of the Nevada caucus and, and how it went? I mean, I don't know how perfect the Nevada caucus was. Um, I just know, you know, as we've said for, for months now, that in order for Bernie not to be affected by any shenanigans, he has to win by very big margins. So mm -hmm. even if there were shenanigans, um, as they, I mean, there were shenanigans, they tried to get the culinary workers not to, to support Bernie, they smeared him, um, you know, certain, I'm sure there was stuff on the ground that we are not even aware of. But at the end of the day, uh, the caucus, I mean, the Latino turnout was was high supportive of bernie um as they were last time around and you know he mobilized I mean, that's really what this is about this is about a movement that cares enough to to not work right because you, when you're caucusing you're not working mm -hmm. of course union workers are covered but for the most part you know you're taking time out of your day sometimes you're dealing with child care issues you're uh standing all day long for the most part and it, it takes real commitment. And if there's one thing we know about Bernie Sanders, he has the most committed supporters. Yes, absolutely. And uh, I guess the, the, uh, another benefit here is that the caucus was on, on a weekend. And I think having elections, uh, having the vote on weekends actually is, is really good for, for voter turnout. Um, and uh, when it comes to caucuses, though, do you think this is the last, the last year that we're going to see caucuses because of what happened in Iowa? Or are, they gonna, are we going to keep No. Them? I think one thing that I... Um, I, really, I was informed by, on the Unity Reform Commission, which, just to remind your viewers, was a commission that formed after the 2016 election. Um, it was a negotiation point between Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders at the convention. They wanted to start this commission to reform the primary and caucus process and the Democratic Party and to reduce superdelegates. And we went beyond the mandate, of course, to reduce superdelegates. We eliminated them on the first ballot. I would have liked to eliminate them altogether. But, yeah. you know, we were in the minority on that commission. Mm -hmm. So on the commission... Um, you know, I learned a lot about caucuses. I went in being like, this is such an archaic, silly way of, of doing democracy. But what I learned was, number one, it comes down to the states, whether or not they determine they're a caucus or a primary, the state legislature. So it would have to be essentially a bipartisan. Um, I mean, in, in Iowa, it's a Republican legislature. So that mm -hmm. would have to be passed through, through the Iowa legislature. Um, in Nevada, uh, I believe it's a Democratic legislature, but I'm not sure, actually. Um so first it would have to be passed legislatively. But the difference between primaries and caucuses are, and you gotta think about this for a second, caucuses are controlled by the party. Now the Democratic Party is flawed and every state party functions differently. The Iowa Democratic Party actually has a better reputation um, than say like the New York Democratic Party where I live. Mm. But the, the, the caucus process is overseen by the party. The primary process is overseen by the state legislature, by the state, excuse me, by the state. So okay. if you're in a Republican state or if you have a Republican legislature like Wisconsin, there's some real voter suppression happening. So 
you know, the people who were advocates for reforming caucuses um, would, would cite a couple of things. You, if you're in a Republican state, um, caucuses are still a way to protect voters. Uh, the turnout is, is not extremely low. It's actually pretty, pretty standard with primary states. Um, but it doesn't guarantee that, that it's, it's going to be fixed if, you're in, if you have a primary system. New York, notably, has the second lowest turnout in the entire country hmm. when it comes to voter turnout. We're a completely Democratic state. Um, we have closed, almost closed primaries. We had very closed primaries before. just had a few reforms. So, you know, it's a case-by-case scenario. There, there were some reforms we put forward. Um, of course, the monitoring and, and being aware of what the totals are, um, having the data released is, is really important for transparency and for the campaigns to understand uh, how the process worked and to hold the party accountable. But we never talked about this app, which is just a crony favor for Tom Perez's, you know, favorite consultant. I don't know what happened there, but yeah. it was not something that came through the Unity Reform Commission. All right. So I guess let's turn the focus now to to Bernie and what happens now? Because before the Nevada win, um, even though he he won Iowa, he he won New Hampshire, there was still, I guess, sort of this air of uh, can he pull this off or will he do this? At least in the you know cable news. But Bernie <laughs> won now. He he doubled more than doubled Joe Biden in second place yeah. so like what happened is, is is this is this it is this going to continue does, does this momentum carry on can they do anything to stop him like what is what is at play now with bernie sanders and basically his path to to the nomination i will say uh, almost a hundred percent unless some sort of barring some extraordinary situation that you never know in politics extraordinary mm-hmm. things happen all the time um I would say that the only candidate in this race right now uh, has, that has a shot of getting 1,991 delegates to secure the nomination on the first ballot is Bernie Sanders. So much so that I actually think he has an 85% chance of doing so before the convention. Wow. Um, again, I, that number just keeps going up. I, I'm being very conservative with that number. Hmm. So that means every other candidate in this race, including Michael Bloomberg, only has a path to winning the nomination if, number one, we go in with a brokered convention, which is in my you know, 15% chance, maybe, that we have a brokered convention, although I think it's much, much, much lower. Then, once we get there, it goes to a second ballot, and you the, the candidate has to basically take all of the other candidates' delegates and all the superdelegates to win. We yeah. already see centrists who like hated Bernie Sanders two weeks ago saying, all right, guys, Bernie's our nominee. Let's like let's cut the act. But of course, they're going to be actors in the Democratic Party. There are consultants who are pitching their candidates to to keep raising money, to get on those debate stages and 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 fight hard. So they have those moments where they can raise money. But at the end of the day, I think uh, Nevada was actually very indicative. You You have a pretty strong Democratic machine there. And if there's one state where Joe Biden should have done well, uh, it would have been Nevada. I mean, yes, he's not he's not doing as well with Latinos as, as Bernie is, and he might do better, and he still might win South Carolina, and he still might win Tennessee. If he wins one state, he might lock down a few states um, in the South that he's you know he he's he's been networked into for years. Mm. With that being said, I I don't see him getting anywhere near 1991, and the entire strategy of all these other candidates is to be the one candidate. <laughs> <laughs> on the second ballot, who can get all of the superdelegates too. <laughs> so what is their, I guess, what's their thought process then? Because if, they, if they're if they actually being realistic about it, and I think you're right, they don't have a shot, but 
they're still in this race. And especially when it comes to someone like Elizabeth Warren, who should care about the issues. And now, I mean, I got to say, this entire year has put into question for me anyways, Elizabeth Warren's entire fight. Does she actually give a damn? Like, is she in this for herself? Or all her fake smears on on, on Sanders and, and, and the supporters, like that whole thing. Like, I, I get her, I, I get from her perspective the tough position that she's in because there's nothing really of substance to attack Bernie Sanders on. And if that's where you think you can pull voters from, you have to, I guess, create something. But then in doing so, when you're creating these phony smears, I think it's just hurting your, your reputation as as the person that used to be looked at as the progressive senator in, in, uh, in the Senate. So... What is Warren doing? Like, that's what I really I'm curious about. What is she what, what what is she doing? Is it consultants fooling her? Like, what is happening with Elizabeth Warren? I mean, I, I would love to say that it's consultants fooling her. And that, and that might be a big part of it, because, you know, yes, man syndrome is a real thing. I think we even have it in our movement. We you know, it's a human thing. Yeah. Um, I think that she probably has surrounded herself with with consultants who feed her with the idea that she needs to keep going out there and fighting hard with specific points to get press so that they can raise money and pay the consultants' bills. Because the longer that she's in the race, the longer, you know, you know presidential campaigns are very expensive and there are media consultants in particular and, and other senior strategists who make a lot of money, a lot of money, um, you know, working as vendors, especially if they're not working for other candidates too, because that's sometimes the case. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I think some of it's that, I think some of it's delusion, frankly. Um, you know, you're invested, uh, you, you, you create a narrative for yourself. Where I'm really lost with her is in her attacks against Bernie. Because yeah. it's one thing to think that you have a path to victory, which is just completely delusional at this point. I mean, I have dear friends of mine on the campaign, on the Warren campaign, who I text with regularly, and they're in, they're smart people. And like, I know that they know better and I know that they see the writing on the wall because there are people in Warren's campaign who are speaking off the record, leaking to the press that they don't know what's going on. (laughs) Um, I mean, listen, politics is a real grift. Yeah. And And I think it feeds itself. Yeah. Yeah. And I I guess she's taken on a super PAC now after her entire campaign was built on this idea that we have to get super PACs out of politics and and these big money donors out of politics. And it's like... Her attack on Sanders is so disingenuous, saying, "Oh, she's the." Uh, well, her her initial argument was that her and Klobuchar were the only one that didn't have super PACs. But if you look at like, there's no actual Bernie super PAC. There's just like the National Nurses United. There's um uh, Sunrise Movement. Apparently, these count as PACs according to, according to Elizabeth Warren. Like, so I just don't understand. What the hell she's doing? Um, I don't like this is really hurting her reputation. I hope she understands yeah. this. It's really hurting her reputation with the base that she will need in the future. And I've even seen people talk about, hey, maybe we should primary Elizabeth Warren. And this is a discussion that just was never even considered before. But because of her position now and what she's doing, like, do you think the Sanders campaign is still looking at her as a potential uh, vice president the way that maybe they once were? Um, do you think Bernie's opinion of her has changed? Because the thing with Bernie Sanders, I feel like he has he's very he's very easygoing and yeah. he doesn't seem like somebody who really holds a, a grudge to people that generally agree with him on on the issues um, mm-hmm. by and large. So I I wonder how he feels about her. But I got to think the campaign thinks a little differently about her, uh, about Elizabeth Warren uh, at this point. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I can't speak on behalf of the campaign and I definitely cannot speak, won't speak ever on behalf of the campaign unless they tell me to or uh, or Bernie himself. Yeah. Um, 
I can only offer my perspective, which is I don't really see a pro at this point for him. I, I, I don't know. I mean, this is a, people have mixed opinions about this. There are people who think it's a great way of unifying the party. I think if you're going to look at a, 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 a vice presidential slate, I think somebody like a Barbara Lee would be yeah. strong because, you know, there's one thing that Bernie Sanders has that really separates himself from the rest of, of the Democrats and Republicans. And he is fundamentally absolutely 100 um, percent anti-military industrial complex. And that is something that Barbara Lee has, mm-hmm. uh, something that Elizabeth Warren does not have. That's right. And, you know, Barbara Lee, I mean, some people say, oh, well, her age, she's 74. I just don't think that's that's going to stick. I think she is a force of nature. She is just like Bernie Sanders. She has shown where she is specifically on this issue throughout the you know throughout history. And when it comes to all other issues, she lines up. Sometimes she backs the establishment, but I think at the end of the day, she's probably the best. That's my my choice right now. Yeah. Um, and you know, and I think it's a signal also for the establishment. Like, listen, we we believe we believe that women of color are not being represented, and this is somebody who has fought so hard for. Uh, you know, I don't know how many years, 30 years, uh, in office as a movement leader. And she has not yet to receive the type of atten- deserved attention and support from the establishment that she really should. So yeah, that's my position on it. Um, yeah. You know, I think Warren, I think you're right about this. I think Elizabeth Warren, it's not just that she's, uh, she's being disrespectful to progressives that she may be in the future. She's disrespectful to progressives that got her to this point. And that is where yes. I think I'm, you know, frustrated as a progressive. I've seen this with other candidates too. Candidates I've given money to, um, I've supported, I've made phone calls. I personally feel disrespected when they run as Bernie people and then they switch, you know, as soon as power comes knocking on their door. And yeah. and Warren took it personally. So I, I, I don't know. I, I can't see Bernie not being affected by that when she's smearing him. I think that hits him. I really do. Yeah. And it, it just it, it bothers me, honestly, more than I want to admit when Sanders is uh, is smeared himself as somebody who is is divisive when he I mean, you have to struggle to get Bernie to attack anybody <laughs> like, like on legitimate issues on their legitimate, like incorrect positions like Bernie Sanders could have got, gone after Elizabeth Warren on her foreign policy. I haven't seen him do that ever. Um, and that's yeah. just a policy difference. He, but he could be doing that. And, and yeah, so but um. I think you're right in the sense that uh, I think Barbara Lee would be a fantastic choice. Uh, Nina Turner and Rashida Tlaib are also ones that that I like as well. Though I could I could see the the argument against them just in terms of Nina Turner has been a state senator, hasn't really been um, you know all that I guess politically involved in the sense that she hasn't been like a a, a U.S. senator. Um, and uh, uh, Rashida Tlaib still early in her career, so I could see the argument there uh, against her. But still, I mean, three powerful people that I think would be fantastic vice presidents that I think are better choices than Elizabeth Warren. Um, now let's, uh, so this is kind of going back a little bit, but the DNC, there's <laughs> this worry. There's this worry that they're going to, that Tom Perez is going to change the rules um, yeah. uh, at the at the convention because apparently he has complete power. Is that yeah. correct to, to say that? So, uh, like... <laughs> sort of, I mean... Yeah. So, yes and no, but yeah. Do you think he he would be willing to do that? Like, do you think he'd be willing to face with a scenario where Sanders doesn't have um, a majority, but but a plurality of delegates uh, right. at the convention? Do you think that there's something he might that, that something he could do to kind of uh, screw the nomination uh, for Bernie Sanders? I I cannot see him doing that, but I also didn't imagine an app ruining Iowa. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
And that was the Tom Perez, you know, all roads led to Tom Perez. Um, do I think Tom Perez is a burning person? Uh, no. Tom Perez won't even acknowledge my existence. <laughs> <laughs> and I worked on the Unity Reform Commission. Yeah. Um, with that being said, I'm just trying to set this up because, like, there's definitely, personally, I think there's friction between me and him and other people on the commission. Um, I, I think that he fought very hard at the end of the day to pass the Unity Reform Commission recommendations. Um, it was something that, you know, he campaigned on reforming the party. And it was something that he could say, like, look, it, this is something we did. Um, with that being said, the DNC members are not stupid. They are starting, if they don't know about the process, they haven't known about the process in the past, they know about it now. And when I say DNC members, I mean like the elected DNC members, not the appointed ones. And so they see that Tom Perez keeps stacking these committees, like the Rules Committee, uh, with his favorite people, and he's just appointing them. And then all the people who run across the, their states trying to get elected and, and getting votes and you know are, are doing this out of pocket, you know, they're not being put on these committees. It's really just going to his cronies. Why does that matter? It matters because the rules for this primary process were actually written by the Rules Committee. It wasn't by the Unity Reform Commission. They looked at the recommendations after we voted on them, after the whole DNC voted on the recommendations, and then it went to the Rules Committee, um, or, or just prior went to the Rules Committee, to kind of like tweak them. And so I say that because, yes, you know, does he have the power as the chair to change things? He does. We learned that through Donna Brazell. Um, but he will likely put it through his, his pseudo-democracy of the Rules Committee. But at the convention, there are going to be delegates from Bernie on that Rules Committee. So mm. it's a little bit more democratic. Um, I just don't see it. I don't see anything big happening last minute there. I think this is why Bernie just needs to crush it. There's no room for, sh for shenanigans in the end. Um, you know, I say this over and over, David Axelrod said right after the election in 2016 that even if Russia did meddle, the margins should have never been so small for a Facebook ad to make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Uh, all right. That's, I mean, that's good news because I think there's a lot, I, I mean, I see my YouTube comments. It's, it, it's the, a lot of the worries are worries that I don't have because I feel the same way you do that. I just can't imagine, um, I can't imagine them overturning a, a victory that is would be so clear that we're beginning to see now, like with, with wins like in Nevada. If he continues winning like that, like by ten points, by twenty points, you can't overturn that. And I think it's they're facing sort of the same scenario that the GOP faced with, with Trump in a way where they maybe even if they wanted to do something about it, the entire base is was with Trump. And you at that point, you just got to kind of like let go and be like, all right, this is where we're at now. So even the people in power are are going to at some point have to bend the knee to the will right. of the people. Um, cable news, though. So you have experience on, on cable news. I've seen many clips of you on Fox News. And like it's it is rare, I got to say, to see a more objective analysis of the Democratic primary on uh on fox i shouldn't say rare but it's it's sort of it's weird to see a more objective discussion of the democratic primary on fox than it than on msnbc where you have james carville and chris matthews going nuts over sanders winning nevada um what's going on with cable news and, 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 <laughs> I mean, do you have and, two hours <laughs> yeah <laughs> hey if you want <laughs> but like what's going on with cable news i guess generally and do you think they will change? Like, is is management like? Yeah. Is, is at some point, I mean, it. For me, it's weird because these corporations that run these media companies um, definitely are at odds with Bernie and and his agenda. But 
especially when you have MSNBC, which is supposed to be at least the 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 vocal arm of the of the Democratic Party. Um, if Bernie's the nominee, what are they going to do at that point? Like he's the party at that point. So do you do you see MSNBC changing? And also, I'm just curious about your experience with Fox News and sort of um, them allowing you to kind of say what you want to say on there and, and how that whole process works. Um. I'll start with my experiences because I think that kind of uh, will aid, you know, I, I have a lot of experience on Fox News and CNN and, and, and a little bit on MSNBC from 2016, but it, I'd say in 2000, I've been doing cable news since 2012 um, and 2012 to basically the end of, of 2016, I was doing like CNN and Fox almost daily. I mean, when there was a day that went by, I'd be like, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> what did I do? What did I do? But you know, during the Bernie uh, campaign in 2016, that's when I started to see Fox was was treating me a little bit more fair um, <laughs> than just having me on as, as the, the punching bag. But what it did was it actually crystallized my ability to debate the issues um, prior to that. I mean, I could go on Fox and, and when you have four Republicans coming at you, you're prepared for a debate. And so mm, yeah. it was weird in 2016 because suddenly I was given this space and you can find old clips online of, of me giving, um, you know, a fair and accurate analysis of, of the, the superdollar process, for instance. And then I would go on CNN and they would have four Hillary people uh, up against me. And I felt like I was at Fox again. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think ultimately, I mean, what you said about them being run by these multinational companies, uh, you know, that's really what it comes down to. It's it, and, and that includes, by the way, Fox. Fox is owned by Disney now. Yeah. So uh, on one hand, yes, Fox does give a little bit more airtime for Bernie Sanders. On the other hand, 75% of the time on Fox, they're talking, calling him a communist yeah. uh, who, you know, if you want to see Venezuela and, and, and you're going to see the whole Cuba narrative. And they dance with each other. I mean, mm -hmm. News Corp is a, it's now owned by, by Disney, but these, you'll see people on News Corp who are Democrats, who worked in the Clinton administration on the board of News Corp. So, I mean, yes, they are to the right and they will push the narrative further to the right. And I think, especially under Ailes, he did that more. Um, I think what's gonna happen now, and I've tweeted about this a couple of days ago, is you're gonna see, um, Bernie's the nominee, right? You're gonna see a lot of news commentators uh, who might actually be left, suddenly be free to express that they're supporting Bernie Sanders and mm -hmm. why you need to support Bernie Sanders. And, you know, people like Chris Hayes, although he's a host, so maybe not, but, but people who might be actually on the left. Yeah. And then there are folks who were never on the left, but realize he's the nominee. But we are going to start to see the narrative, and this is what I fear, is you're going to see them saying things like, Bernie's never going to get anything passed anyways because he doesn't have the Senate. Bernie's not going to win down ballot. We're going to lose... Because, you know, and, and this is what Pete Buttigieg is push, pushing out right now is he's trying to make it sound like Bernie is going to ruin the country um, because we're going to lose all these seats. That's just not true. Bernie has expanded this party. Independents who were not registered as Democrats are now registered as Democrats to vote in primaries. Disenfranchised, dis, disconnected uh, Democrats who, you know, disenchanted. I mean, every sort of mm -hmm. dis you could possibly imagine <laughs> joining the party and young people who may not have been voting at the rates that they are with Bernie are now in the party. And that can only help down ballot. That can only help, even the conservative Democrats in those swing districts are bolstered by Bernie Sanders who intersects with Republicans. So I think you're gonna see people like Chris Matthews in a couple of weeks maybe shift to Bernie Sanders isn't gonna get anything passed. 
Um, he's still going to have a Senate led by Mitch McConnell. Uh, he has pie in the sky ideas. They're going to be watered down. But we have to support him over Trump because Trump is is ruining democracy. But before that, we're going to hear more Russia game. Yeah. So like, oh, there's yeah, of course. like whole. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's so like what what you're saying is is a exactly what I talk about all the time on my channel, how Bernie Sanders, he expands the base. Like how, like how is this point not the major point that's always made is that Bernie Sanders in 2020, he will be able to bring out, yes, the, the never Trump people, or I should say the, the blue, no matter who people that voted for Hillary in 2016, those people are going to come out regardless because they want to vote against Donald Trump. But at the same time, he also brings out people that didn't vote in 2016, independents, young people, these disillusioned voters, working class voters. I mean, this is such an obvious point that you know they are purposely avoiding uh, making it on cable news because it, it makes Bernie's point for him that he is the most electable candidate and they don't want to admit that or they don't want to, I guess, come to, uh, come to terms with it because it is it's just so obvious on his face, which is why I think there's going to be a massive, if Bernie's the nominee, massive uh, voter turnout in, in 2020 for Democrats and people that are saying Bernie's you know, lot, not electable now are going to... I guess still have jobs on cable news because everybody that's always wrong always has a job still. Like, what is why does that happen? <laughs> why do all these people that are always wrong about every major issue continue to host all the cable news shows, continue to be invited on television? Uh, I can't think of any other profession where you are right. consistently wrong and yet you keep your job. Like, is that just a, a trust kind of thing, or are people just hired? Uh, are certain people just hired because they they listen to the to management? Like, what is that thought process? I used to think that maybe it was just a bubble. Um, and then in 2016, I, again, like all I did was cable news for four years. Um, you know, I have horror stories of like sleeping on green room couches because they'd have me on debate nights. And then the next morning I would do like the early, early show, like four <laughs> o'clock in the morning and I get my makeup touch up. I mean, it was, I was taking naps constantly. <laughs> it was, it was, um, there, is definitely a culture of like people know where their boundaries are. And then mm. there is also, and this is something Crystal Ball and I talked about on, on my show recently, there's also direct messaging that goes to the host. So I have, I have no doubt, this is notorious at, at, at Fox News. Fox News literally would send out a memo every day and everybody had to be on the same page about certain issues. Mm -hmm. And some room, some shows had more room to, to push a certain way than the others. But for that, you know, for, for from eight o'clock until 10 o'clock at night, uh, all the shows had to cover, you know, Obama's a Muslim in a certain language. Yeah. And I think that CNN does the same thing. I mean, they would have me on several times a day and they'd send you articles and it would be from certain sources like Politico. Um, I think that there's that infrastructure. Um, but in 2016, it was extremely clear to me that there was a political agenda. Mm. I, I was at the convention, um, and I was in discussion with um, CNN about a contract. I, I don't want to go too much into detail about this because it's still sort of a private conversation. But I essentially said, said, no, I won't endorse Hillary Clinton at the convention. And then I really have barely been called back to CNN since then after being on almost every single day. Mm. So, I mean, there was nothing I could do to swing a bunch of, of Bernie voters to Hillary. I mean, if Bernie couldn't do that, why could I? Yeah. Um, but I was also a delegate, and you know I think that's what we have to keep in mind here is that we're criticizing MSNBC for their ridiculous coverage during the primary. We're going to be criticizing CNN pretty soon for their coverage during the general election. And the funny thing is, is in 2016 we were criticizing CNN and not MSNBC because yeah. it was more Clintonian. 
and they were shifting more to the right. So now we're further to the left. Yeah, and, and it's it's weird. Uh, like, I feel like I almost watched um, CNN at least right now. Almost watched them evolve in like while Nevada was happening because I was watching. <laughs> I was flipping between. So I I, I streamed the entire uh, Nevada caucus on, on on Twitch. I was uh, I was switching between um, CNN and MSNBC. MSNBC consistently garbage. But then CNN, I was like, they have Alexander Rojas of Justice Democrats. Van Jones was making great points. Other people on there that are normally a little more centrist were making some good points. And actually, it it, it wasn't even just about the points. It was that they were actually being objective to the facts right. about what was happening in the Nevada caucus and what this means for the party. And I guess I, I was wondering, like, would that carry over to the general election? Or are they going to do this thing again where they're, they're trying to play both sides of, oh, uh, sure, uh, sure, Bernie, but Trump or but Trump, like, where they where they feel like they have to play it even, even though it's obvious to the like looking at the facts objectively, which candidate will be for people and which one uh, which one isn't. Like, I guess uh, what I'm looking for at a cable news is an objective analysis right. of of the actual facts and and to have media actually represent real people. And I'm not sure I'm ever going to get that because again, these massive co- these massive companies or massive um, networks are owned by massive companies. And that's just kind of, uh, I guess, the the world we're stuck in. Um, one last question here: the debate is tomorrow, the South Carolina debate. I'm not sure. Is it the last debate, or is there are there no, more I coming? A, I think there's going to be. So you've got South Carolina. Um, there's another debate at some point. I don't know where it is though. Okay, so uh, what what's going to happen to this debate? Uh, I mean, I, I, these are just <laughs> predictions right now. I know, I know, none of us know, but like. Is Bernie going to be the focus of the attacks? Yeah, um, is Warren going to still focus on Bloomberg, hopefully? Uh, or do you think she's going to try and attack Bernie? Like, uh, what's the dynamic uh, you think right now that'll happen uh, You know, on stage tomorrow? I mean, Biden's winning in South Carolina. Um, I bet Bernie will go after Biden a little bit. Um, I think mm. you're going to see more beating up on Pete. Um, Pete's been out of his mind the last couple of days. Yeah. He's just... <laughs> I mean, his his Russia commentary about Bernie, it's he is looking for donations. So Pete's going to want to have a few moments, breakout moments, because you can smell it that he's desperate for donations right now. So Mm -hmm. he can, you know, I I don't know what their path is. Like, I think they're delusional, but he's trying to negotiate something. He's not going to be on Bernie Sanders, clearly, and he's not going to be in anywhere in Bernie Sanders is. I I don't know. I think I think they're all mercenaries, frankly. Mm -hmm. I think Biden probably thinks he has a shot. I don't know. I, I mean, I assume people are still going to keep attacking Bloomberg. I think that's probably going to be Bernie's focus. Bernie is going to focus on Biden and, and Bloomberg. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, Elizabeth threw attacks at everybody last time. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, I, I mean, for, for her, it was kind of it was kind of Warren's last stand. Like it, this was the time where she, she really had to do something. And I think she had a great performance. It just right. she it didn't turn out into anything in, in Nevada. So, um, again, as you say, as you said earlier, I don't know why she's in this race. Bloomberg clearly is trying to uh, hurt Bernie and, and buy this nomination for himself. But um, I think it was even leaking out of his campaign after Bernie's big uh, win in Nevada that even Bloomberg's campaign is a little shaken and are beginning to realize that I don't know if we, it, it, I'm not even sure if, if billions of dollars can buy this nomination for Bloomberg now. Like <laughs> I think they had to have their their realization moment where it's just he's this guy's actually really popular and he may actually win the nomination. And we're in this moment now where it's like I always felt that this was possible. But now that we are actually in it and it's happening and he's won the first three states and he just won Nevada huge. It's crazy. And yeah, 
Have you, uh, I'm not sure I've really even um, been able to internalize it yet because it's, it's happening right now. And I don't know. Um, I'm kind of speechless. Like what are our, what do you think progressives should do? Uh, leftists should do Bernie supporters should do like, what is our position right now? Like how do we continue this fight and, and ensure that, that Bernie wins, wins big and, and that we don't leave too many bitter people behind as, as he's doing it. Right. I think we, we cannot be comfortable because, um, they're still coming after us. We just have to keep the margins pretty big. Um, whatever happens out of South Carolina, don't feel disillusioned because, you know, South Carolina was never really on the map. Um, although he might get a few, I mean, they might split delegates there if he doesn't, yeah. if he doesn't win it, if he gets some second, he still might do very well. So, um, you know, I would just keep in mind, like if you're talking to friends and family that might be more establishment, might be leaning towards Warren. Um, what I'm focusing on is with them is there's only one candidate at this point who can win on the first ballot. And if we want to keep this party together, we can't be throwing Hail Marys to take him on because if it goes to second ballot, there's no say who the candidate, they're all going to be, you saw them on stage, they're all attacking each other. Yeah. It's not like they're all solidified. Nobody's going behind one candidate. They're definitely yeah. not going to go with Bloomberg. They're definitely not going to go with Pete. Warren's trying to be the unity candidate, but the rest of them all hate Warren. Um, <laughs> there's there's no, you know, there's there's no candidate, right? Yeah. So I just try to come from this perspective of, of listen, Democrats, we have got to be smart when, when taking on Trump. Bernie annihilates Trump in in the polls, head to head. He's been vetted for the last 30 years and especially the last five years. He is is bringing over Democrats that realize that he will keep the party together, he'll keep the country together. I mean, you look at something like the CBC right now, right? CDC, excuse me. This, the CDC like is barely existent and we're dealing with coronavirus. Yeah, That's what happens when you have Trump as, as the president right now. You know, your air quality goes down. I mean, we could go through a litany of issues, but if, if, if we're like looking at a coronavirus disaster where like Italy is stopping travel and, and, and people are afraid to get on planes mm-hmm. and they're getting off of cruise boats with this, this is a real issue. And if you want to be able to have an actual government, yeah. then we got to get rid of this, this billionaire mindset of, of eliminate government, privatize everything. When has yeah. that ever worked out? That's what you get with Bloomberg. That's what you get with Biden. And none of the others um, have a real shot. So, you know, as much as they claim socialist, at least he wants to keep our government intact. <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, Nomi Key, thank you for joining me. Give, give us uh, your pitch for your, your new show. You got a new show out? I've yes. watched a bunch of videos. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So we, um, yeah, the show's about a month old, not even. It's on YouTube at Nomi Key Khan. Still just look up the Nomi Key show uh, on Patreon. We love patrons because it keeps uh, the show going and we'll be able to edit more videos, do more content. It's at patreon.com slash the Nomi Key show. And uh, since I know you have a great audience, we are doing a live Super Tuesday show in Los Angeles. David, if you want to book a flight, you can come on out. Mm. Uh, it's going to be... Seriously. Seriously. There's All right. Um, it's an amazing show. We have Michael Brooks, Alona Minkowski, Francesca Fiorentini, Nando Vila, uh, LA Charger Justin Jackson, Lucy Flores, and David Dayan are going to be on stage doing live coverage in front of a live audience, and it's going to be streamed on the Majority Report um, and many other platforms. So you get your tickets on uh, bit.ly slash LA Super 2s. If you go to like any of my accounts, it's just linked right there. Um, yeah. Awesome. All right. I'll link, uh, (laughs) I'll put all the links below the video in the description box so people can check that out. And I'll think about it. Come. Oh my God. 
I mean, I will think about it. It sounds pretty. It sounds pretty fun. <laughs> Warmer than uh, Toronto. Oh my God, definitely. <laughs> it's freezing cold right here. Uh, all right, thanks again for uh, for coming on uh, Nomi Key and uh, check out her show and all the links below the video. Thanks again. Thank you.